Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. We're talking with David Wilson. David Wilson is a teacher. Uh, He was a teacher in Murphy, Murphy High School. Uh, He taught a variety of science classes because he has the degrees to be able to do that. He is certified to teach physics, chemistry, biology, and earth space science in three states. He taught upper-level science courses at Murphy High School, including general physics, honors physics, advanced placement physics for college prep, along with two courses in chemistry at Tri-County Community College. So he is he's a teacher who's directly involved with kids teaching them science. And we're talking about the hoax of climate change. And one of the sources of that hoax, and we were talking about it, and I think we need to delve into this a little bit more, is models. Because the entire church of climate change is based upon these models that they are they're putting data in. We already know they're faking data. We already know that they're taking data and changing it in order to meet certain criteria. Then they put it into computer programs. What's the result? Well, I remember there was a story not long ago, and I guess the media called it Climate Gate. They didn't get a lot of press, but it was there. Those scientists were actually talking behind the scenes, and they said, hide this data. Don't let the public know. And they were adjusting numbers so that it would look like the climate was actually changing. And so their models were predicting doom and gloom while the actual reality of the data was showing that it was probably going to remain the same. So that's what you could do when you fake data. And, of course, and we'll get into the scientific method, I know, because any discussion of climate change has to include that. But the problem is... Uh, If you are a scientist and you are manipulating data, you're basically, you're lying. Yes. And you're not only lying, but you are abusing your degree by using your degree to make people believe something that you know has been manipulated and is false. Yes, you're correct. And what else is going on is that the public loses confidence. And these people are funded with taxpayer money. And if people find out that they're changing data, they have an agenda or anything like that, they totally lose confidence in these people. You know, it's it's interesting. I mean, they, you, everyone's always making polls and this percentage and that percentage. And they always say 97% of all scientists believe 
in climate change. I think that's probably true. I think that's true also. Because anyone who understands planet Earth knows that the climate is constantly changing. That what they don't tell you is that that's not the percentage that believes that man is the cause of climate change. What do you say of that? That's exactly right. Uh, this number, uh, 97%, uh, probably is higher. <laughs> but uh, the, the people who conduct these polls are asking the wrong question. They're publishing the wrong results. These scientists, most of them probably are really not on board. And if they are on board, it's for other reasons that we need to talk about, and that's monetary. But uh, you're exactly right. These people that uh, ask these questions, and they say, and they use it to say 97%. Percent of the scientists believe in climate change. Well, of course they do because it's obvious the climate has always changed. It has never not changed. Uh, the state of flux is all is normal, and we're always in change. So all you have to do is go back and look at the historical record. We've been through ice ages. We've been through other times when it was warmer, and uh, the CO two levels were measured in parts. Uh, they were much higher, thousands of times higher than today, and nothing really happened. Those animal forms that were back then survived. The ocean survived. The acidity levels weren't so bad. No, the animal uh, plant life in the ocean didn't die off. Everything continued. So you would say, as we discussed before, that pretty much on Earth, everything is in balance. I would say everything, uh, when you talk about the radiating forcing, everything is fairly balanced because this planet can't survive unless it were in balance. Uh, I want to mention something that uh, a lot of people hear, and they hear about the CO2 levels going up, but what they don't hear a lot about is the actual percentage of the atmosphere. And I was amazed. I heard a Senate subcommittee interview someone who was pushing this agenda about uh, climate change, and this person who was doing the interview and <clears throat> had the good sense to ask this person, do you know what the percent of the carbon dioxide level is in our atmosphere? And this person said, no. But yet she's in charge of all these programs to help fix the climate. So uh, I'll just inform the audience, our atmosphere is not mostly carbon dioxide. It is mostly nitrogen. So when you take a deep breath of fresh air, you're breathing mostly nitrogen. And it's around 78%. About 21% is oxygen less than, and that brings it up to around 99, and it depends on location, of course, but uh, uh, around less than 1% is argon, and that puts you up around 99.99%, and then what's left over is a very tiny amount. 0.04 is carbon dioxide. Now, interestingly enough, I did a lab once with my kids. I said, I want to demonstrate what this looks like. What does 0.04% look like? All the kids understood a percent means parts per hundred. So I said, draw dot your paper and make a hundred dots. And that represents a uh, hundred units. 0 0.04 is four one hundredths of one of those dots. Now, I said, what the scientists are doing or some of these people are doing, they're trying to make us believe that this extremely small percentage is driving a climate. 
And I don't know of a single scientist that would go on record and say that all the processes and all the climate change that's going on is driven by one variable. So one number, which is the average temperature for the Earth being driven by one variable, nothing could be further from the truth. You know, it's interesting that that you would say that. I mean, you're talking 440 parts per million. They're claiming that that tiny, you know, tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of the atmosphere is a greenhouse gas that is causing the problem. When you know that the biggest greenhouse gas is water vapor. That's correct. That's right. You didn't think I knew that. I knew you knew that. <laughs> Water vapor is, is very strong in, uh, in insulating the earth, and uh, without it, of course, we would freeze. Well, the, and the point is, is that that water vapor traps seven times as much heat Yes. As carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide is actually a very uh, inefficient molecule at trapping heat. Uh, the primary purpose of carbon dioxide is not that at all. The primary purpose is to keep plants alive so they can grow and reproduce and make oxygen. Um, Dr. Dan, I want to mention something that I think a lot of people probably miss about this topic and this discussion. And that is, they're all being fed information to scare you. And I don't know if they're aware of that. This whole thing is based on fear. And they're making long-term forecasts for the Earth that are not good. And these climatologists uh, are very confident that this carbon dioxide is, is, is drawing, uh, all this attention is being drawn to it, is driving this climate change. So I would ask the audience to think about this for a minute. Think about the last time the meteorologist made a long-term weather forecast. And let's call long-term 10 days. Have you ever heard a forecast 10 days out and it ended up being wrong? Now imagine a person telling you 100 years out what's going to happen. Would you have confidence in that? Not very much. I mean, and, and we all know that. And we all laugh about the fact that what job would you like? Well, I'd like to be a, a weather forecaster because I can be wrong 90% of the time and I won't get fired. So <laughs> you're absolutely right about that, David. Um, you know, uh, and, and that's what just contributes to this overall sense by people who think people who think, and I have to emphasize that, people who think understand that this is a hoax because none of this is scientifically supportable. You, you can't get a scientist who is a true scientist, independent and in thought, who will say to you, yes, this is all true. We can go back again and we can look at, there's plenty of evidence of, of climate change uh, through history. Uh, we talked about the Vikings, you know, on Greenland. Well, how about, that was part of what was called the medieval warm period. That's correct. In the medieval warm period, there were grapes for wine growing in various parts of northern England that now are too cold to support the growth of grapes. That's correct. We have other evidence from history of crops that were able to be grown in various parts of Europe that back then when things were warmer and then it cooled off and they no longer can grow there. So it's not as if we don't know the facts. It's they're not being properly Taught. I would agree with that. I would also call attention to the fact, in addition to what you said, historically, 
people and culture and learning all have advanced under warmer conditions. With cold conditions, things have receded. It's during these times of warming that we had the Renaissance, we had buildings of universities and colleges, and we had people exploring and major discoveries being made. But when you're living on, on top of two miles of ice and you're trying to keep warm, it's just a little hard. That's interesting because we're having a pretty cold winter this year, aren't we? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I've got some plenty of, of work I need to be doing in my pasture on the farm. I don't feel like going outside and doing it. It's cold out there. Um, I want to talk also while I'm here about the political aspects of climate change. Throughout the past few decades, we've gone through attempts by nations to either maintain or lower the temperature of the earth. In my opinion, nothing could be further uh, from the truth in being able to lower the temperature of a planet. I don't know who man thinks he is, but that would be pretty powerful if you could find a way to raise and lower the temperature of a planet. And we went through the Montreal Protocol, 1987. We're trying to control the aerosols to control the uh, CFCs, car floor, car carbon fluorocarbons, because of the ozone, the hole in the ozone. We found out later that the hole in the ozone was caused by a few things that were not related to the uh, to the through the uh, CFC pollution. We went through the Kyoto Protocol. That actually was the first treaty to reduce carbon dioxide. And they pretty much just met and agreed, yeah, we need to do it. Nothing much there. But now we're getting into what I would call dangerous waters. And we're with the Paris Agreement. And with the Paris Agreement, the countries are now going to agree to keep the planet from rising by two degrees, which is laughable. I would like to see that. But with zero net carbon dioxide emissions. And they're calling for people to pay for uh, equipment and withdraw things like our fossil fuels and quit burning gasoline and get rid of the automotive industry and all of this stuff. And interestingly enough, countries like China and India are exempt from these requirements. Yeah, that's uh, kind of fishy, isn't it? It's a little fishy when the United States is the one who Well, you can tell from a political basis, I mean, that's what this is all about. It's about bringing the United States down because we are the last bastion of freedom on Earth. Uh, that's really what this is about. It's about an attempt by the global elite to enforce a totalitarian world government on us. Uh, they're not only with the climate change and, and all of that stuff, but they want to change the monetary system so that it's all digital, which would mean they would be controlled. Everything you spend would be absolutely controlled. There'd be no more cash. Uh, this is indeed a very, very dangerous uh, series of events, and it is designed for that purpose. Uh, the, the global elite who think that they know everything, they, they think that in their arrogance, that they should tell everybody else what to do. And when you talk about arrogance, that whole, that whole concept is that, that man can change the climate on earth is nothing but 100% arrogance.
I agree with that. Um, if you look at the Paris Agreement, it calls for zero net emissions for carbon, and the long-term results, they say themselves, are 0 0.05 degrees. They're going to adjust the temperature by 0 0.05 degrees. And all these people that are contributing to this, and you're going to get results like that, and all the money that's going to be spent to do this, and you're going to get that kind of result, you're not even getting close to the two degrees that they are calling for originally. But the actual people that have looked at this and said, yeah, if we all get on board and we all chip in and shut down the fossil fuels, we can lower the temperature by 0 0.05. And the risk, of course, is that as you lower the carbon dioxide, you're going to cause a lot of problems for plant growth. That's correct. And so their whole, their whole goal, as long as we're in talking about this now, the whole goal is to kill off as many people as possible. It looks that way. It looks well, like uh, population control in the long term. Well, not just population control. They want to kill people. They want to reduce the population, which is now seven, seven something billion seven, people. Billion. 7 billion people on Earth, they want that population uh, to be about 1 billion or maybe 500 million. That's their ideal goal. And I guarantee you, they expect to be among the living. I expect they would uh, be able to control people more or better if they have lower populations. Uh, Dr. Dan, I want to mention something also about this uh, climate change stuff. The um, Paris Agreement uh, President Trump got us out of that and now we're back in it again and I want the audience to know this is not a cheap proposition you will be taxed from home you will be hit in your wallet for things that will not work and that's really it I mean this is all a major taxation scheme that will take our lifestyle put us back to the stone age and the people who are going to be making the money are the ones who are the wealthiest on earth now. Uh, so this is a very cruel hoax. It's not just a hoax, but it's a very cruel hoax because our citizens in this country will be suffering. They'll be suffering back to the way it was 200, 300 years ago in this country. And compared to the advances we've made since that time, you read what was going on during the Revolutionary War and the colonial period. Life was very, very hard. You spend, you spend most of your time just trying to find something to eat, uh, to cook it, to keep warm, and to keep healthy. And that's all going to be gone. Dr. Dan, uh, I would call attention to the fact that the United States has advanced man's condition more than any country in history. And they've done that with scientific advancements using fossil fuels. Their idea to move away from it quickly and suddenly is just amazing. I don't argue that fossil fuels are dirty. Burning coal is dirty. Using oil is dirty. But right now, we just don't have another way. Well, the fact is, David, is that uh, fossil fuels are the most efficient 
source of energy that we have on Earth. They're highly efficient, which means that we're getting more bang for our buck using fossil fuels to, to run our machinery, to run our vehicles, to heat our homes, to do all the things, not, not to mention all the petroleum products that we use on a day-to-day basis. Can I mention something there since you mentioned that? Um, the products that we get from using fossil fuels, we take for granted. We just take it for granted. We can hop in the car and take a trip. What's going to happen when these people, if they get their way, suddenly they get rid of gasoline, they continue to get rid of things, fossil fuels, things that just don't work. They institute things like windmills, solar power that's not very efficient. What's going to happen? I would call the audience's attention to a recent snowstorm last year in Texas. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Everything, everything, everything.